This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Dorothy Martin is a name that many of you may be unfamiliar with. She was involved with L. Ron Hubbard's Masonic background and the leader of a cult that was called the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays. Theology coming directly from the founder of what is now the Church of Scientology was the basis for her cult following. And her prediction of the end of the world in 1954 did not go unnoticed by other cult leaders with Freemason ties. You may also not know that William Branham and A.A. Allen both ran with this date, both proclaiming the end in 1954. While many of you are familiar with William Branham's failed prophecy of the end of the world in 1977, that, he states, is by divine revelation, it's his own words. You may also not know that William Branham mentioned the same thing in 1954. He went first with this, and then A.A. Allen followed right behind him with it. William Branham says, but look, let's take historically speaking. The first 2,000 years, the world order, the world order, is that a Freemason Illuminati term? The world order come to a climax, and God destroyed the world with water. You know that. Then it came forth as a new world. In the second 2,000 years, it came to its end again, and God sent Jesus. Is that right? This is the end of the next 2,000 years, 1954. Think of that. Why 1954? Why not 2,000, if it's the next 2,000 years? Specifically, he said, 1954. He continues, in the gospel, Jesus said, the work would be cut short for what? for the elect's sake, or no flesh would be saved. It would be so wicked. We're at the end time, and then the seventh in type is the millennium, a thousand years. He said that in 1954 in a sermon called The Mark of the Beast, and then not a few months later, A.A. A. Allen comes behind him. July 4th of 1954, A.A. A. Allen tells this vision of the end of the world, 
how destruction hits America. And it sounds very, very similar to what William Branham said. He says, <clears throat> at the end of the vision, he says, as the vision spread before my eyes and I viewed the widespread desolation brought by terrific explosions, I could not help thinking. While the defenders of our nation quibbled over what means of defense to use and neglected the only true means of defense, faith and dependence on the one true and living God, the thing which she greatly feared has came unto her. How true it is proven that except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waits but in vain. A. A. Allen now John Alexander Dowie, the Elijah to Branham's Elisha, was also involved with the same doctrine. In 1904, he told his followers to expect the full restoration of the apostolic faith. And he announced that he had been divinely commissioned, very similar to what William Branham was divinely inspired of 1977. Dowie said he was divinely commissioned to be the first apostle, not the last, the first apostle, of a renewed end times church. Ironically, William Branham announced that he was born in 1907. He claimed it was the day after Dr. Dowie died. And you see, 1954 would be the jubilee year to 1904. This was 50 years after Dr. Dowie's 1904 doctrine. In 1951, William Branham says this, how Dr. Dowie in his death prophesied that I would come to the city 40 years from the time he died, not knowing nothing about it. He died on one day, and I was born on the next. Forty years to the day I entered the city, not knowing nothing about it. Some have argued that William Branham did not mean specifically the day, but he says here, 40 years to the day not to the year, not to the decade, to the day. So he's giving 1907 as his birth date in this statement, while his marriage certificate says 1908, while the story he gives of the angel is 1909. And he's trying to prove that he is the Elijah to Dr. Dowie, a false prophet to Elijah. He says, Oh, how great God's move is coming together. I hear the sound of abundance of rain, speaking to the latter rain people. Now, those of you still programmed with the indoctrination of William Branham may ask yourselves, what does this all mean? Why is this so important? But you see, this is very important. There are warnings all through the Bible that describe exactly what we are seeing. Doomsday cult leaders have one thing in common. They are numbing our minds to the end time by teaching un unscriptural doctrines. The Bible says that people will be caught unaware, and these cult leaders are breeding unprepared people. The newer follower in the cult of William Branham won't remember this at all, but some of the older ones will. Before he died, William Branham spoke of a tent ministry. It was one of his visions that failed. 
In the vision, he claimed one of the Mosley brothers was to fly William Branham all around the world in an airplane to carry a tent that would be used in a great tent revival. And now that airplane that he instructed the Mosley brother to buy is now sitting collecting rust. And even the Mosley brother himself is dead. Like Jesus Christ, the older Branhamites taught that William Branham would rise from the dead, making him equal to Jesus Christ. They claimed after he died that he would rise from the dead so he could finish this failed prophecy. And though he recently denied it in an interview in, by WHAS, my grandfather, Willard Collins, he taught for years that William Branham would rise from the dead before this resurrection and fly all over the world in this plane and have great tent revivals and have a meeting where in the tent there would be a little room and people would step into their new bodies and go on into heaven. And this was to happen before the resurrection. So you have a man rising from the dead before the resurrection. Now he's recently denied it, but in an article, April 12, 1966, in the Anderson Daily Bulletin, Willard Collins said that he believed in William Branham's resurrection because Branham had a halo over his head when he was born in a log cabin in Burksville, Kentucky. That was his reason for thinking that William Branham would rise from the dead like Jesus Christ. You see, those men who teach their own idea of how the end will come, they fail to include the Bible in their theology. Now they don't tell you to worry about the world events because we won't be here according to them. They tell you not to worry. Basically they're saying don't get ready. They're saying the bride will already be gone when these things happen. They're numbing our minds to the day of the Lord. Let's review the Bible verses, the Bible chapters about the day of the Lord. They all say pretty much the same thing. Isaiah 1, chapter 1 through 4, you've got famine, you've got Christ coming down on the Temple Mount to restore his throne, you've got the day of the Lord, which entitled, it encompasses the darkness that comes, a day that's not day or night. Then a great battle of Armageddon. Then you've got the evening light, and then you've got the survivors who are saved. That's in Isaiah. Zechariah 14, you have the famine. You have Christ coming down on the Temple Mount. You have the darkness. You have the battle of Armageddon. You have the evening light, and you have the survivors. Let's keep going. Joel, chapters 1 through 2, you have the famine. You have the Temple Mount. You have the darkness. You have the Battle of Armageddon. You have the evening light. You have the survivors. Are we seeing a pattern here? Obadiah, chapter 1. You have the Temple Mount. You have Armageddon. You have the survivors. Zephaniah, chapters 1 through 3. You've got the drought. You've got the darkness. You've got Armageddon. You've got the survivors. Let's keep going. Zechariah 14. You've got the drought, darkness, Armageddon, evening light, survivors. Matthew 13. You've got 
the weeds scorched, then the grain are harvested. Again, in Matthew 13, the good fish are kept until the bad fish are removed. This is Jesus Christ speaking in Matthew 13. Acts 2, you've got the darkness, you've got the great and terrible day, and then you've got salvation. 2 Thessalonians 2, the man of lawlessness revealed, and then salvation. Revelations, chapters 11 through 14, you've got the drought, you've got Christ coming down on the Temple Mount, you've got the judgment, and you've got those who endure to the end. Do you see the pattern? Have you, have you actually read these chapters? To the pastors who have read them, why do you teach something else than the Bible? Because I know if I can read it and I can see what the Bible says about the great and terrible day of the Lord, I know you have known this for years. Zechariah 14 gives us the order of events, start to finish, and it doesn't take a Bible scholar to understand it. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm simply reading my Bible. Let's read it together. I call any pastor who claims to be teaching the Word of God and yet is pressing play on a, a button of a tape of William Branham, I challenge you to crack open that book that's gather, gathering the dust. And let's read it together. Zechariah 14. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil will be taken from you and will be divided, read these words, in your midst. I'm going to read that first line again. Behold, a day of the Lord is coming when the spoil is taken from you and will be divided in your midst. If you're not going to be here, there's something wrong. Let's continue. For I will gather all nations against Israel to battle. This is the battle of Armageddon. In your midst. The city will be taken and the houses plundered and the women raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord, the Lord, will go out and fight against these nations as he fights on a day of battle. Now you pastors, I know you've read this. We haven't got to the evening light yet. We haven't got to the part that you call William Branham. We're still at the Battle of Armageddon. In your midst. And it says, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount Olives that lies before Jerusalem in the east. And the Mount Olives will split in two. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen God come down and split the mountain in two. And we haven't made it to the evening light, so I'm going to keep going. It says that the, the mountain will be split into two, so there will be a, a very wide valley, so that half of the mountain will move northward, and the other half will move southward. And you'll flee to the mountains, for the valley of the mountains so reach Azal. And as you flee, you will flee as you fled from an earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Let's talking about a pretty, pretty big earthquake here, one that would split a mountain in half. And we haven't made it to the evening light yet, so you pastors, you, you can tell me why you're preaching something that's not scriptural. You can tell your followers why you believe the words of William Branham 
over the Bible. But for me, I'm going to stick with exactly what it says here. Because now we're getting to the part of the evening light. It says, Then the day of the Lord will come, and all the holy ones with him. Now, when the holy ones come with him, that means that there's going to be an awful lot of, of holy people in the army coming from all surrounding this temple that's sitting on the Mount of Olives where the Lord God is standing. And I haven't seen that yet. Have you? It says, On that day, there will be a day that's no light, cold, or frost. And it will be a unique day. Unique means one that we've never seen before which is known to the Lord, but at the evening time it will be light. Now this is the part that you say is William Branham, and you're teaching your people. And I quite frankly don't think that you've read this chapter. In fact, the more I'm reading from the Bible, I'm not certain that you're reading it at all. I think the tapes have taken place of your Bibles. But I want to ask you, have you seen any of this happen that is supposed to happen before the evening light? Because I haven't. It says on that day, this is speaking of, of the day of the Lord. This is the day that you say is William Branham. On that day, living water shall flow out of Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half to the western sea, and it shall continue in summer as in winter. Now this is the day that we're talking about. This is the day that is the evening light. And I don't see the waters. So tell me why you're taking the words of a false prophet and you're filling your churches with it instead of reading this book which is sent from God above. After the evening light, the Lord will be king over all the earth. Now if you believe that these cult leaders are the evening light. Can you really say that the Lord is now the ruler over the earth when we've got a dead prophet sitting with a pyramid Masonic tombstone? I just, I'm not seeing it. It says the whole world shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Rimen, south of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem will remain aloft on its site from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate, at the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananel to the king's winepress. And it shall be inhabited, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Jerusalem will dwell in security. So, after the evening light messenger has gone, if you're associating a messenger to this day of the Lord, Jerusalem's insecurity. So I challenge any one of you to open up your iPads and look at the news and tell me that Jerusalem is in security right now because I'm not seeing that either. And this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they're standing on their feet and their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Now, we've got Syria currently with masses of chemical warfare, and they're sending rockets over. I'm not really seeing this happen to them. I'm not seeing 
the God over the entire earth standing on Mount of Olives, stopping anybody who's coming from Jerusalem. And that happened before the evening light, remember? On that day, a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them, so that each will seize the hand of one another, and the hand will be raised against the hand of the other. Even Judah will fight at Jerusalem. So we're talking Israel itself is in civil war. And the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be collected, gold and silver and garments in great abundance. And a plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beasts may be in those camps. I'm not seeing any of this. In the, the current events of today, it looks like we're still waiting for that day of the Lord when we see Mount Olive split in half. After the battle, after all of this happens, then it talks about the survivors. Then anyone who survives of all nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths. So this is after Armageddon, and we've got the people coming to worship God on the Temple Mount, which I also don't see happening, by the way. If any of the families of the earth do not go to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. Again, he's speaking about the famine. There will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go and present themselves, then there will be no rain to Egypt. There should be plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to the Feast of Booths. And this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment to all nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. So, tell me, are we seeing God in His temple? Are we seeing people go to the Feast of Booths so that there is rain in their cities, in their countries? I'm not seeing it. It seems to me that you've been programmed and you've been numbed in your brain not to be ready for the coming day of the Lord. This is very serious. And moreover, they are forced to worship. God is so willing that all be saved that He is actually forcing them to worship Him. He's not turning them away and closing His doors and saying, unless you're a member of this cult, you're not going to make it. He's actually making them come worship Him at the temple. And if they don't worship, they're going to get no rain. Think about that. And on that day, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord. And the pots of the house of the Lord will be as bowls before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take them, and boil the meat and sacrifice in them. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. Now as Christians, we need to ask ourselves, were we numbed to the day of the Lord? Were we expecting this big battle to come? Or are we waiting for some dead prophet to rise out of some tomb with a Masonic idol pyramid made of stone to fly around in some rusty old bucket of bolts to carry a tent around 
Instead of a nice auditorium like most ministers of today would use with air conditioning, are we waiting for some silly thing like that? Are we actually that numb in our minds to think that this dead pilot's going to rise from the grave before the resurrection, this dead prophet who had many false prophecies is going to rise from the grave before the resurrection, they're going to fly around in some very tiny, comparatively, airplane that's falling to rust right now, and they're going to carry a tent. And people are going to go into a tent instead of a nice, comfortable auditorium that would be actually cheaper than flying this thing around. Is this really what you're looking to happen? Or are you looking to what the Bible says is going to happen, and we're going to see the Lord sitting on His throne after he splits Mount Olives in half. What on earth are the pastors teaching you? Why are you paying tithes to a person who has not even cracked open the cover of his own Bible? I'll let you decide. Uh -huh.